Hey, y'all, you're listening to episode 167 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. Today, I'm bringing on my friend Heather Hopp to talk about the chivalry movement. My goal is I want to create, I want to change the culture uh, because we need a generation of boys that do this, that stand up for those that are weak. And there's something hardwired into boys that they want to defend and protect. And so when we free them up to do what God wired them to do, it's powerful. So you even, what you did with your son, you did that. You were like, hey, you should be defending and protecting this person. And he recognized that and he went and did it. She wants to change culture. Go Heather. Goodness, I love it. After this conversation, I couldn't stop thinking about what we talked about from her new book, Knights in Training, where she's taken what she learned about medieval knights and their code of chivalry and created her own knight's code that she even sent me a copy and we have it on our fridge. And I'm still trying to learn, as Heather shares in this episode, how to positively train my boys and not just see it as a checklist of things I want them to do. But it's helped shape our conversation and not just be, be good because mom wants you to be good, but to change and shift your behavior so that you are for others, so that you see the image of God in others, and that you're trying to be a knight. Um, And what little boy doesn't want to be a knight? I love what she shares in this episode, planning on working on it this summer. Another thing we're working on in our house is sibling conflict. And I don't know about y'all, if you need help in that area, but I would love to share with you one of my favorite resources, which is the Connected Families Sibling Conflict Course. You may have heard Jim and Lynn Jackson on the show before. They were episode 126. They talked about resolving sibling conflict. But in this course, it's five sessions. And I looked at it. It's like 25 to 30 minutes per session. So that's less than this podcast length, um, five podcast lengths, and you would get through the course. Uh, They walk you through the peace process, and it's something you can train your kids in so that they learn the steps of reconciliation Uh, It has been really helpful to our family, but we're just going to do a little review this summer to get back into it. Uh, It's only $44. If you are interested, go to godcenteredmom.com backslash siblings, and you can sign up and join me in doing that course again. Uh, I also, if you, some of you saw on Instagram, me drop a little bomb. I didn't mean for it to be a bomb, but uh, news for our family, um, homeschooling some of my kids. I can share some of that story at the end of this episode. I don't need to to hold you off any longer. Let's get to my conversation with Heather. Here we go. Hey, Heather, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, oh, y'all listening. This is going to be good. This is good, good stuff. I reconnected with Heather. How long have we known each other? Years? Years. years. Four or five? Four or five years. I don't years. know. Is that years? And you moved to Dallas, and we reconnected, and then we saw each other recently, and I found out about Heather writing this book. And I know y'all, you're like, another book, Heather? We can't afford another book. But I'm telling you, even just listen to this podcast alone, and you're going to be inspired by what Heather has to share. Heather, will you introduce everybody to your family real quick? Yes. Um, So my name is Heather, and I'm married to Rich, and we have four children. So we have three boys who are currently 12 10 and 9 and then I have a little 5-year-old girl. Yeah. So our boys hung out, they get together and you have homeschooled. Is that right? I I have. Yes. How well, tell us a little bit about your schooling journey. Um well, our home is very loud, very <laughs> um we are 
we are not sedate, sit down at desks kind of people, but there's three little boys. And so I have learned over the years to go with the way they are wired instead of trying to fight it. Yeah. Um, so we have, yeah, a very unique learning environment where we're up and active quite a bit. We do a lot of dramatization. My boys love costumes, um, which is sort of what led us into this whole journey that eventually led to this book. So when you were thinking about their school, did you know, like for the mom listening as a little teeny guy and she's noticing he's a wiggly sort, did you, did you ever have them enrolled in a traditional school setting or did you know from the get go, like, this is just what we're going to do? I knew from the get go that this is what I wanted to do. I am, but I am an odd duck. So I will, (laughs) I will own that now. Um, I, I was that active hyperactive child that couldn't sit still growing up. And that Mm. was what prompted my mom to pull me out. And so I was homeschooled um, because I just, I would not have done well in a traditional school environment. My sisters would have done great, but not me. So what years Um, were you homeschooled? I was pulled out halfway through first grade. It was that bad. (laughs) Hey. Um, Because it was weird back then. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What do you know? I was homeschooled. um, Yeah, we can relate. We're both named Heather and we were both homeschooled. So, and, and we both have was really weird back then. Yeah, yeah. I was talking about it with my mom. Yeah, it was not the norm and I think our moms probably got a lot of stink eye from people and it wasn't uh we don't like your schools. It was uh we want to be in charge of our children's education. Does that yeah. make sense? So like her teacher friends were offended, but it wasn't that she was saying you're bad at your job. She's just saying I just see like my little brother had, you know, a lot of energy and, and so she just saw like it worked better when he was home and she could follow his lead on what he was interested in. And anyway, yeah. It's so interesting that your mom started homeschooling because of that active little person. Yes. Like my mom did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so have you ever, I feel like when you and I first met, you had products for that mom. Who had the active I do. Kids. Okay. What yeah. is that? Do you still have those or not? I do. Yeah. I have a book called The Ultimate Guide to Brain Breaks, which is about how to utilize movement to help kids focus and learn. Mm. And so, because there are those times where we just have to sit down and focus. So yeah. So I have, I talk about why movement is important for the brain. And then I have cards with simple one to three minute brain break activities, as I call them, that you can just pull out, you can get up, move get the wiggles out of your system and then focus on whatever it is that you need to do. Very cool. And so you had those and you wrote online and you wrote a post. What was it called? The oh, one the, the, the I, one that got you I to this place. I don't remember the exact name of it, but I basically, I, I was, we were learning about the middle ages uh-huh. because of course boys and knights just go together. Yeah. Um, they were like battles. Yes, please. And, uh, so they were waging battles all around me and it was total chaos. And I'm a research junkie. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> we're going to do chivalry because my boys are going to be gentlemen. And as the chaos is going on around me. And so I start getting online and researching it. And I had thought that chivalry was merely how a man treats a woman. Mm. Like you open doors, you're polite, you say, yes, please. No, thank you. Um, those kind of things. And what I found totally blew me away. It, had very little to do with that. Actually, that was sort of an invention of the Victorian era hmm. um, where they tacked that on. But during the Middle Ages, it was it was an unspoken code. So it was never really codified like aspect one, two, three, the lists that we love. 
Um, but it was woven throughout all of the medieval literature and um, the knights very specifically taught these ideals to um, up and coming knights. And then they would use these ideals to call the knights who were already out there to return to an ideal. And so actually, I find it's a very grace filled approach because it recognizes that we're flawed and that we're going to stray. And it goes, no, no, come back, come back to the ideal. And so I was just, I was so inspired when I read about that. And I saw that, I mean, the first aspect of the code of chivalry was to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm going, okay, I can do that. My, my boys could latch onto that. Mm. And so I read through, um, the list that people have compiled since then pulling from the medieval literature and I was inspired. And so I just pulled out the ones that I thought were specifically applicable um, to my boys. And there's a lot of redundancy. So some were really similar. I'm going, what's the difference between them? <laughs> um, so I just sort of culled that out and synthesized it into a, a list of 10, or I may have had 11 or 12 at the time. Um, and I put it in a cool font, printed off, burnt the edges so it looked all authentic. And I put it up on the wall and I called my boys over. And I said, okay, boys, we're going to do night training. And I mean, I sort of use that voice, which of course they're all. Oh yeah. Way cooler. Yeah. You got a mystery. Yeah. It's going on. And they were all in, they were excited. They're like, you mean, we're going to get to do sword fights every day. I'm like, yes, we are doing sword fights every day. And we're going to go out and we're going to practice with our bow and arrow. And you're going to learn what it means to um, embody, to live by the code. And so I read them the code because at that time I only had one reader. Yeah. I was going to ask how old were these guys? Just so when I started, they were six, four, and just before three. Okay. So we were about two months into the chivalry challenge when my third boy turned three. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I only had one reader, so I'm reading it through them and then I'm just trying to bring it down to their level. So what does it mean to do this? And so the code for all of you guys listening, it's the first one is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second, to obey those in authority over you. Uh, third, to stand against injustice and evil. Fourth, to defend and protect the weak. Fifth, to respect the honor of women. Sixth, to refrain from the wanton giving of offense. I love that word, wanton. <laughs> um, seventh, to speak the truth at all times. Eight, to be generous and willing to share. I did modify the language there to make mm -hmm. it a little more relatable mm -hmm. for young boys who always fought. Um, ninth, persevere and finish the task at hand. And then finally, pursue excellence in all you do. So the medieval term there would be prowess. So a knight was to pursue prowess. They were to be the best they could possibly be. And so I just sort of spent some time. I mean, I, initially, I just sort of laid out like, here's the challenge. And I explained some of the weird words like wanton. Um, and then over the next couple of weeks, as we read stories about knights, I would point out areas where they were chivalrous. Or I would maybe ask a question like, oh, you know, how is he showing honor to God here? And so I would, um, we would just sort of pause in the story and we would talk about it. And then I issued them the challenge. Like, I want to see if I can spot you guys showing heroic feats of chivalry. Mm -hmm. And they really took to the challenge. So I still remember one day my, my sister came over and at this time she had, her oldest is the same age as my third born. So she had a two-year-old, no, three, three at the time, three and then a baby. And so she was, of course, wrestling with all the gear to come into the home. And so my boys, without me prompting or anything, raced out 
to ask if they could help her carry her stuff in. Mm. And they like, well, I still remember them walking up to the front door and their chests are puffed out and they're carrying that, you know, bright, obnoxious diaper bag <laughs> with pride and just walking in. And you could tell they were like, we are men. We're helping. We are stepping in when someone needs to be rescued and we're helping Aunt B carry her stuff in. Mm. And so it was just, it was really neat to see that. And then there was another time, probably a couple months after that, where one of my boys who was really strong-willed, um, and we just, we had had so many battles with this one and something came up. And so I was asking him about a situation and I could see, I mean, you can see your kids struggling. Yeah. Like, what do I tell her? Yeah. 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 As I'm like, what happened? And so I can see this internal dialogue going on or imagine this internal dialogue going on and he paused and then he told me the truth Hmm. even though it meant facing a consequence Hmm. and that was I'm just tear up right now that was really profound because this is a son we battled oh my goodness the first five years of his life were were hard Hmm. and to watch him have that internal debate and then to choose to do the right thing was really powerful. And because we were doing this whole chivalry challenge, I just, I took a moment and I said, well, that was so brave of you. I am so proud that you chose to tell the truth. That's a sign of strength. Mm-hmm. And so you could see, he's like, okay, I did the right thing. And then I had to break that, you know, I'm like, but you know that there's consequences and I'm, you know, so I'm so proud of you on one hand, but mm-hmm. when certain things happen, there are consequences that for your good have to take place. And, and so it was interesting to watch him even at, so he was four, may have been five at this time, four or five, somewhere in there to watch him wrestle with that and to accept it um, blew me away. Well, what I think is great, you know, and you may not realize you're doing it because you're just doing it, but the positive bent to the whole thing. So we could get that list and then I could make it a a critical (laughs) situation where I'm looking at the list and I'm looking at my kids and I'm like, you just, you are not measuring up to this. Like, did you just Mm -hmm. do that to your brother? I cannot believe, didn't we say knights do this? Like I could see how I could take it and make it this negative interaction. But for you to be positive and for you to catch them doing the code and for you to focus in on one and and point it out in books how people are doing it is such, like, for us moms, an example of how you do positive training, you know? Yeah. Well, it's hard because it's hard. negative all day long. It's way, yeah. I don't know, even with boys, I just feel like their reaction is not going to match up to that list. And so it's harder to catch. Yeah, It's harder yeah. to catch. It's hard, hard for me to pay attention and catch because there's so many of them. And it's when, when the squeaky wheel is going crazy and everyone's flipping out, that's when I'm paying attention. So, right. so that's really, right. really good example for us to, to put the list of like, this is what we're expecting. This is what we're working towards. And to catch them doing it is huge, is huge. Did your daughter, like as she's growing up into this, because she wasn't born when you started? No. Um, yeah. I I mean, part of what's interesting, because so we did the challenge. It's been six years now yeah. since we did the challenge. And we've sort of revisited it here and there. What was amazing is when 
I started writing the book last year. It caused me to be reflective and to look back. And it was amazing to see how much that one experience really changed the way we parented Hmm. um, and changed the way we viewed these years of childhood. And it sort of, it's changed the way the boys have viewed childhood. Um, And it's made us more purposeful. And I guess, like you said, it, it enabled me to sort of try to put a positive bent on things and inspire them towards good instead of always punishing them when they weren't measuring up. How do you um, think it changed your boys' view of childhood? They they view it now as this is a training period. Mm. They are in process. Mm. They're not yet. Um, and so I'm trying to think if they've ever actually reminded me of that. I don't think they have, but there have been times I've thought of that. I'm like, they're kids. They're in process. Yeah. They're not there yet. Show yeah. grace. Yeah. They haven't um, arrived. They haven't arrived. They're not, they're, they're in training. Nights in yeah. training. Yeah. That's good. But it inspires them and they, um, they, I, I guess they walk through life with more of a sense of purpose. They know where they're going and they know that there's sort of a plan to get them there. Yeah. Which I guess we would never normally identify that, like, this is our plan to get you to adulthood. Like, that's just not something we talk about. Whereas this, because of the imaginative elements, it gave us a way of talking about it. An end goal. And then a, like an yeah. End, like an end goal. Like, the goal is to get you to this place. And we're all headed there together. Yeah, that's good. Well, you had mentioned... In writing this book, it was a, it's a secular publisher that approached you. Mm-hmm. So many of the guests I have on there, you know, Tyndale and Harvest House, and but this is Penguin. The code is based on God. So yeah, yeah. so the very you said the very number one is love God. So how did you handle that? Writing a book that foundationally based on belief in God in a secular setting. Yeah. Well, it was something I really had to wrap my head around because everything I do in my home is very devotional. And so um, we just, we bring God into everything. We bring scripture into everything. And so writing a book for a more general audience, because I could, I could see the appeal and the need. Gosh, we need, we need men who are strong and who protect the weak and, and do the right thing. And so I could see the appeal in the general market. Um, So I, chose to look at it and write from a a socio-historical perspective. So what, how did the, why was this important to the Knights? And then giving general, this is why it's important to our boys today. Um, And to our society, like you're saying. And to our society, yeah. Wouldn't we all benefit if we had more of this around? Like if we could just treat each other better in, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Charlemagne, for all of his flaws, and he has, oh my goodness, so many, that man was flawed, yeah. but he did love God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, the, the code of chivalry was really birthed out of his reign. And um, he recognized that a warrior without God was simply a mercenary. Right. He was someone who would hire himself out to the highest bidder and he would do whatever with no conscience. And so he recognized that belief in God was foundational because it gave someone a reason to live outside of themselves because we're inherently selfish. We're going to do what's best for us. And when we recognize that there's something over everything, that there's a higher authority that we all um, are under, it causes us to live differently. Right. Um, 
And then it gives us a reason to live with virtue because otherwise, you know, who's to say what's right and wrong and it can change with whoever's in charge. And so when we recognize and honor God, we recognize that there is, um, there's a higher standard out there and it doesn't matter who's in charge temporarily in this earth. There's a higher standard. Well, and you had reached out to me, we were talking about, you know, this, this love of God concept, um, with boys. Tell me, tell me, tell everyone listening what you were thinking about that, how it looks different for boys versus girls. And yeah. Yeah. Well, part of why I I wrote the book is I, as mothers, it's really hard to get outside of how we approach life. Mm. Um, and with our boys, because they are primarily cared for by mothers and then in school, they're primarily under female teachers. Um, a lot of times I think why our boys are struggling today is because we fail to recognize how they're wired and how they're motivated, um, and whatnot. And when that comes to God, as women, we take a very relational approach, mm-hmm. um, a very feelings-oriented approach. How does this make me feel? I feel loved. I feel safe. I feel protected, um, cherished. And those are things that really appeal to us, but that's not what necessarily appeals to a boy. And so if we if we use that language when we're talking to our sons, I think there can be the tendency to see a relationship with God as something female. Hmm. When it's not, Um, that's just how we approach God. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, And so with our boys, I think it's really helpful to think through what, what is important to them, what impacts them. And so I really feel like they're especially interested in the attributes that emphasize God's power, his intelligence and his size juxtaposed with his interest and compassion for them individually. So recognize that, that he's the biggest, most powerful dude out there but he also is insanely invested in who I am. And so the analogy that I came up with is the idea of the ultimate football coach. So when we talk to our boys about God, when they learn to view God as that ultimate football coach, who is the smartest, mightiest man on the team, but, and who expects great things from his men, but also knows them each individually and cares for them. That is a point where boys connect with and they can relate to that. Like, okay, he's got my back. He's for me, but he's in charge. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, and respect is so important to men. And so when they recognize, oh, God is worthy of my respect, they're going to give their allegiance and they're going to be unflagging and undaunting and unmovable. And that is really cool when we can get our boys to that point. And how they treat each other, right? So you talked to about how boys walk into a room, they size each other up. And then, you know, if they're, if they're sizing up that God's bigger than all of them, but how they size each other up, talk to us about this concept, the Latin, um, um, um how would you say it? Imago Dei? Imago, Imago Dei. Imago Dei. I do not speak Latin, people. I know. I do not speak Latin. I actually took Latin in high school. So uh, I, do not, high, but... I just skipped right over that. My yeah. son, my son's in it. And I'm like, I cannot help you with this. <laughs> Imago Dei. Imago? What are you saying? Imago. Imago. Sure. Okay. So tell us what that means. Tell us what that means. So the whole idea of chivalry hinged on really the first two commandments in the, um, that Jesus gives to his people. So love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as yourself. And that, um, 
comes back to the whole idea that people are created in the image of God. And so that the whole concept of the Imago Dei is recognizing people are created in the image of God and therefore are worthy of our love, our respect, our protection. Um, it affects how we view people. And so Augustine wrote on this topic and other writers um, throughout really the early, early, early Middle Ages and on through this whole concept of respecting other people, not because of what they do, what they contribute to society, what they look like, but simply because of who they are. They're human beings. And so that is something that I tease out through the whole book. Like our boys um, stand against injustice and evil because injustices are hurting other human beings who are made in the image. who are made in the image of God. And so therefore we do not tolerate that. Yeah. Um, we defend and protect the weak. When someone's in trouble, we stand up to help. We don't turn the blind eye because that person is created in the image of God. Yeah. We had this situation where um, one of my sons was kind of hanging with the, the cool kids, the bigger kids in his grade. And he was telling me, that for playtime, they were chasing these boys. And the boys he listed that they were chasing are sweet boys, like sweet, sweet boys. But probably when you are going to, if you're going to measure each other up, like they're not the biggest or the mightiest or the most aggressive. So mm-hmm. they're like attacking the weak. And I said, dude, you got to be for those guys. So the yeah. next day he was, he was like, I tried to block off the other guys from chasing them. But then they told on me and told that I was chasing them. And then, you know, and the teachers like backed up the big kids. And I was like, how are we not? How do we train these things? Because, yes, they are drawn to battles and sides and right. who's against who. And I'm, I've struggled with how do I yeah. empower my boys to be for the underdog yeah. without weakening them to be a uh, attracted by the bully. The bully's still going to be the bully. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I can keep my boys maybe from being the bully, but I can't keep them from being bullied. So, yeah. If, if we could just get everybody on board for the chivalry code, that'd be awesome. You could just get a whole I know. culture well, on board. My goal is I want to create, I want to change the culture. That'd be great. Uh, because we need a generation of boys that do this, that stand yeah. up for those that are weak and there's something hardwired into boys that they want to defend and protect. Mm -hmm. And so when we free them up to do what God wired them to do, it's powerful. So you, even what you did with your son, you did that. You were like, Hey, you should be defending and protecting this person. And he recognized that and he went and did it. Yeah. But I think we still are struggling with like how to do that. Well, or one of my sons was bullied and I was, and I had told him, well, we don't hit back. But then, then someone was like, oh, you should have totally told him to hit that kid back because now he's going to be a target. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I what, know. What would a knight have done? Like if someone went up to him and just punched him, what would they have done? Well, that that's where this fight, this, uh, there's a time. Right. There's a time and a place to do this. In fact, I talk about a story um, that happened, gosh, I'm blanking on where, I think it was somewhere on the East Coast. Um where there was a boy who was walking up and he saw one of his friends who was legally blind um, getting punched and bullied by this other kid. And so usually what we tell people to do is if you see someone getting bullied, go find an adult and right, you know, right. go through peaceful measures. And 
that kid could have done that. But by the time he went and found a teacher, convinced a teacher to come and the teacher had broken up, the poor blind kid would have been beat to a pulp. Mm-hmm. And instead, in that moment, that boy stepped in and he landed a massive punch into the bully and it floored the guy. But it ended the tyranny right there. Mm. And so, so we fight injustice, which sometimes requires us to fight the one that's yeah. bringing the injustice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a time, and that's where, but that gets really sticky. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I know my boys, they duke it out all the time, and I'm separating, like, whoa, what's going on here? Let's look for peaceable means first. And so that's where you sort of need to do both. Like, we always look, is there a way we can do this peacefully. Be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. So if, yeah. you're, if, if your violence is bringing peace, perhaps, then and yeah. you can't do it any other way. I don't know. Yeah. There's and, a time to turn the other cheek, and there's a time that you step in and you intervene. Yeah. And that's, yeah, a strong man will learn to recognize when to step in and when to not. Mm-hmm. And there's there's an art to that that you just sort of have to walk through and learn as you go. I love, too, that if this list, you know, it's God, it's others, and then it's personal of the, the perseverance and the excellence. Um, because sometimes when it's flipped, when the excellence in the goes first, then there's not the generosity. Then there's not the being for others because it's all about you looking good and you doing it well. Right. If I'm going to be excellent, I have to be better than you. And so and I like how me. this is flipped. I like how this is flipped. It's really, yeah. really good. Really, really good. Okay, what else? Anything else that you would say to the mom listening who's wanting? How would she, she would get this list and she would point it out in books and she would point it out in her kids. Anything else? Like, do you have activities in there? Like for each of the yes. code? Okay. Cool. Yeah. So that was, so the book came about because I was interviewed for an article in the New York times and the reporter linked to my website <laughs> from the New York times and then said I had free curriculum <laughs> and I'm looking at it going, I have a principal poster. I have like one poster That's that it. you can burn the edges of. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That you can burn the edges of yeah. in your own home mm-hmm. if you decide to <laughs> risk burning your house down. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, and that just sort of prompted Penguin to contact me and me to wrestle with, do I want to do this? Can I do this? And then transferring to, wow, I must do this. God mm-hmm. God wants me to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so the book goes into each chapter. I have a chapter broken down for each um, aspect of the code. And so I talk about what it was like historically. And I tried the examples that I used, the historical examples that I used, I tried to only take from literature that's available to children mm-hmm. so that you could go get these books and read these really good books to your children and have um, a place where you, a context to talk to your children about these things. And so I talk about why that aspect of the code was critical for the Knights of old and then why it's critical for our boys today. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that, I bring in research, what's going on. I talk about the rise of narcissism in our culture Um and those kind of things. And then every chapter on the code ends with a throw down the gauntlet section because awesome. this is all about challenge. Yeah. And so it's ideas that you can pick and choose from, whatever fits your family, the ages of your boys, etc. cetera. Um, it gives you ways for them to practice or challenges to give them so that they can work on living out that aspect of the code. So there's sort of the 
historical element, why it's important for our boys today, and then here's some practical ways that you can look to implement the code in their lives. Very cool. And I mean, if you really look at these, you this could if you have a mixed family of boys and girls, you could do it as a family. Yes. This isn't like solely boys. I mean, you could no. be. That's fact, historically really, it was boys, but I mean. Yeah. Well, I've been really convicted. <laughs> Um, just going through this list going, wow, I need to live up to this so that I can inspire my boys too. Now there are some, like God just gave boys testosterone. They have greater physical strength. And so a lot of what I talk about is helping boys to harness that physical strength, that physical energy to do the right thing. But it's aiming our kids towards ideals that we want all of our kids to live up to. Yeah. Yeah. So the only thing different with this book is we're, what we're doing is we're trying to look for how can we specifically motivate boys in this? Because we all we want all of our kids to have empathy. Mm-hmm. But how we would motivate a girl to extend empathy is going to look different than how we would motivate a boy. Very cool. So. I think it's awesome. I think you're great, too. And I'm so glad you created this for us. And, man, how exciting, too, to think about it going into the world secular world where they're, you know, may not know this is an option. Cause like you said, yeah. if I'm not doing these things, I can't train these things. If right. I wasn't trained in these things. And, and I would say that probably this went away with our grandparents. Yeah. Uh, this kind of idea and ideals went away with our grandparents. And so, um, to be bringing it back full circle and recognize, wow, do we really like people getting a Attacked on airplanes and all the chaos is happening right, and how people right. are treating each other. Do we really like that? Is that what we, we enjoy? Yeah. Um, well, do we really like how we're all treating each other on the internet? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. mean world out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we need to restore. We've dehumanized. We dehumanize people yes. when they're on the internet. Yeah. There's no person behind that so, little avatar. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, it's exciting to see. And it's something that just, it resonates with everybody. So it crosses political boundaries. People from all over the political spectrum are going, yeah, let's get a return to civility. It crosses religious backgrounds. It's just, it's something that appeals to a huge, I think we're all hungry. We're ready for something different. What's been your biggest surprise putting this out there and interacting with Penguin and, you know, getting endorsers? What's been the thing that surprised you the most? I think sort of what I just hinted at, like I have been having amazing discussions with people who are so different than I am. Hmm. Like we come from different places with just, yeah, things that we're, that we view as important. And yet we look at this and we go, yeah, we want this. We want like this. Like a common denominator. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it's very exciting and I will put all the links in the show notes so people can get it. It comes out May 30th and y'all can get your copies. You can pre-order them. Uh, today and follow Heather. Heather, where do they find you online? So I uh, write over at heatherhopped.com and then I'm on Instagram, Heather R. Hopped, and then you can find me over on Facebook as well. And it's Hopped, H-A-U-P-T. You can see in the title of the podcast you're listening to. Yeah. Man, thanks, Heather. And I'm just going to cover you in prayers as you go out into the world and bring this message that, you know, there's going to be people that are going to attack you. And because that's just comes with good territory. <laughs> you put yourself out there. That means you're doing a good thing. So we're going to, we're going to be for you and we've got your back. We got your back. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Okay. Bye. bye.
First off, can I just prompt us all to say a prayer right now for Heather? I'm very thankful that she is out in the world and delivering this message. And I think even from, you know, like she said, all sides, she's gotten support. I think it's an awesome thing for our culture at large. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great Uh, from the top down, from the top down, if we had this chivalry movement? Okay, I promised I would give a little update about our family. So um, we've been praying the last year, over a year, about our schooling journey. We always take it a year at a time. For those of you who don't have kids in school yet, that's my advice. Um, Don't think you've got this plan where you're going to put them in a school and it's going to be from kindergarten all the way through high school. That sometimes happens, and that's great. Um, But we've kind of been of the mindset that we just – uh, evaluate our kids a year at a time and see whatever school matches at that time. And so with our uh, second child, he'd mentioned wanting to be homeschooled this past fall, and we had already committed to going back to the school, the classical Christian school that we they all attend. And so we continued, and uh, everybody had great years. I think that's a great part about this story is that it's not a reactionary decision. We prayed about it. Uh, great teachers, great school year. No one had any issues academically or socially. Um, it's just we feel like this next year we want to have an investment year with our two middle boys, an investment year where they get to be home with me more. We get to do some field trips, uh, read some good books, do some activities, um, just I won't get this year back. And so my oldest will go back to the classical Christian school where he goes um, for sixth grade. And then my youngest will start kindergarten there, which is a two-day kindergarten. Um, And then the other two will be home with me. And I'm just doing the same curriculum. I know all these questions I've been asked. I'm doing the same curriculum that the school we attend does. Uh, I have a friend. She homeschooled her daughter in fourth grade last year. So she is loaning me the curriculum from that. And then I have a Uh, Then she is homeschooling her second grade boys, so we'll homeschool those boys uh, together, kind of. We'll communicate. I've got another gal who's consulting with me and helping me sort out the curriculum. And um, Anyway, I just feel like God's laid this out for us and just feel a peace about it and feel like it's the right decision. So I'm just in his encouragement to you, whatever decisions God has you, whether you're really feeling strongly about going into public school, whether you're really feeling strongly about um, holding back. It's so many decisions as parents we have to make about our kids' schooling. And ultimately, God can do anything through any place in any school. I was homeschooled, like I mentioned in this episode. So I have a realistic view of what homeschooling is and what it isn't. And I don't hold it up as the ultimate. I don't feel like a homeschooling mom is the best mom ever. I don't think that that is a true statement. I think that there are so many options that are right for families, that are right for kids, and to hold it as the ultimate standard would, I don't know, I don't feel like that is um, God's heart. Others may disagree with me. That's my opinion. So if you are in a place where you're trying to make a decision as a family, um, I would say pray, of course, pray, and not just say we're praying. Uh, We did a lot of talking, and then we did some praying. And I will say that God moved my husband and I both through prayer more than through talking. He also orchestrated interactions with people and conversations to just confirm the direction we were going. 
Now, who knows? We could start in the fall, and it's great, and then we just decide to roll them back in for the spring. We're holding it all very loosely. Um, but right now, this is feeling exactly right, and we're excited. And uh, I guess you'll get an update. My goal is to still do the podcast, too. But y'all, you give me lots of grace already with the whole email thing and the whole promotion thing. Just so you know, my main focus is my family and God. God and my family. And this podcast is an outpouring ministry in the in-between. Um, and with it, I my goal is to get out a weekly podcast. All the other things, the resources, the the lists, and I, there's so many things I could be doing. I do not have the ability to do that in this season. But I trust that rather than giving it all up and saying, well, I can't do any, throwing it all out, I would rather do a weekly podcast that encourages moms around the world and be faithful in that than get caught up in the extras I could be doing and, uh, and lose the whole thing. So... Those are my thoughts on family life, schooling, and balancing doing this podcast. Y'all are the best. Thank you for listening today. I was struck the other day by the fact that you trust me, that you come week in, week out. You trust me to pick a guest. You trust me with what I have to say, and you take your time out of your life. We only get 24 hours in a day, and you have stopped and listened. And shout out to all the dads that are listening. <laughs> if you've made it this far in the podcast episode, shout out to you. Uh, there's more of you than you think. You may be uh, listening secretively or just your wife knows, but I have been told more than once this week about dads that are listening to this show. So, hey dads. Hey god center dads. Way to go. Taking time out of your day to invest in your family. Okay. Happy summer, y'all. Have a great week. Adios. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink, as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.